So welcome to the Expert Edge, Colin Boyd here, and today I've got a really special guest for you. Her name is Julia Christina. She is a clinical therapist, and I think you're going to love this conversation that we have. It's all about how do you grow internally as an entrepreneur, and her specialization really is working through anxiety, working through insecurity, just building confidence in you as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, and we have a really great conversation conversation around what she's noticing in her clients is really the number one block that is stopping them from growing their business from an emotional level. And this is what I know is that to grow your business, it's not just functional, it's emotional as well. And in fact, it's the emotions a lot of the time that are really stopping you from taking the action that you want to take. And that's why I wanted to bring her on. She's a good friend. She's great at what she does. She's got an exceptional uh, you know, psychology background, and she's also a self from Stage Academy student. And so it's really cool just unpacking the journey of success that she's had in bringing her expertise to the market. And I know that when she first started out, selling her services was something that was quite, you know, uncomfortable for her. She knew she was really good at what she did, but selling that was quite uncomfortable. And I wanted to bring her on because I'm sure a lot of you feel like that as well. And I just really wanted to, for her to unpack that journey of how she's also become comfortable selling her services to build a really successful business that actually helps a lot of people out there. So I hope and I know that you're going to get a lot from today's podcast with Julia Christina. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. So, Julia Christina, welcome to the Expert Edge podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. It's so good to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Now, I've known you for a number of years, and... From the first time I met you, I was really impressed by who you are, how you carry yourself. And I can just, you know, you can just tell when people are good at what they do. I could just tell that with you straight away. And so I'm excited to share you and your expertise with the audience. And I just know that they're going to resonate with you. And so first of all, I'd love to, if, if you could kind of share with the audience the area in terms of the type of business that you run and how you help, how you help people? It's a really good question because it's a little bit unconventional. So a lot of people in the online space are helping people. And I remember a mentor of mine said, if you want to be successful, you have to sell one of, th of the three S's. You have to sell success, you have to sell skinny, or you have to sell sex. So you have to teach people how to get rich, how to have like good relationships, or how to have a smoking hot bod. <laughs> And that was it. And if you're going to do anything outside of that, it's going to be really hard for you to be successful. And I remember just being like, I hear that and I get that. But I remember for me so often struggling within myself with feeling bad about myself, with um, doubting myself, with, you know, having all these big emotions and all this stuff come up for myself and not knowing what to do with it, feeling like, you know, I was broken or flawed or weird, or there's just something wrong with my existence and really struggling. And I was like, I want someone to help me with this. I want some guidance with this. I want to understand this and I am willing to pay money for it. 
And so I was like, you know what? There's got to be more people like me out there who want more than just sex, skinny and um, success. Not that those are bad things, but I, you know, I think that there are people who want kind of to do that deeper work. And so I'm going to, you know, ignore this, this, this wise guru's advice. And I'm going to kind of blaze my own path and just trust that if I build it, <laughs> they will come. <laughs> and so specifically, and I think that this is such a growing market, you, I mean, you're a clinical therapist. So essentially what you, you help people to like deeply process their emotions, to work through things, to become healthier on the inside. Is that kind of an accurate description of what you do? Yeah, I do both. I do both. I kind of have married the best parts, what I think are the best parts of therapy and the best part of parts of coaching. So I typically call myself a therapeutic coach. Oh, I like uh, that. I've never heard that before. A therapeutic yeah, I, I think I made it up. <laughs> no, I love, I love that. So it is about, you know, because with therapy, traditional therapy tends to be just about understanding where our problems come from and like looking at our past and looking at our pain and looking at our trauma. And it's like, great. Now I know why I messed up what do I do now? <laughs> now I fully understand the craziness that is happening in my emotions and in my behaviors. And I like know why I'm doing it and why I'm thinking it and why I'm feeling it. What do I do now? And so, although it can be very healing to have that understanding, it's not the whole picture. So then it's about taking the constructive action. What do I do now? How do I change that internal experience? How do I change my thoughts? How do I change my default emotions? How do I change how I'm showing up on the outside by doing that work on the inside. Whereas I think typically, and this is not always, but typically coaching tends to be more about working on the surface. How do I change habits and behaviors and lifestyle to reach my goals without actually doing kind of the deeper work to understand and uncover what's happening under the iceberg? It's really about just sort of like chiseling away the, the tip of the iceberg, but why is this coming up? And so I found with the people that I've worked with, combining the two things is the recipe for life-changing transformation that lasts, right? What, what are you noticing from your clients working with them as entrepreneurs? And that's the people mm. who pretty much listen to this podcast. What are you noticing as patterns or themes that comes up a lot when people join your membership or join your programs? So for the entrepreneurs, so I serve all people, but there are definitely entrepreneurs who are in my programs because, you know, the biggest thing that I hear, and I work one-on-one -on -one with them as well, is I don't want anyone to know that I'm struggling, right? Like, I don't want anyone to know I, I, that this is going on for me. I feel so ashamed, right? I, I even work with, like, mindset coaches who are like, I'm ashamed that I'm struggling, <laughs> right? Like, Well, I think, I think everyone needs a coach. So fascinating, because obviously, you know, I'm a coach as well, and and I have a coach and a mentor yeah. as well. And, and I see this happen all the time, even for our students, like they'll say to me, Colin, I, I teach this stuff. How come I couldn't see that in my own content or in my own stuff? And, and I think it's so helpful having that external perspective and, and the ability yeah, because well, we can't like, always see our shadow, right? If we're going to go into depth psychology, we can talk about the Jungian shadow when we all have this shadow side of these kind of repressed or neglected or abandoned aspects of ourselves that we, you know, put in the shadow because it's too uncomfortable to like sit in that all the time. And so we just kind of shove it aside into the shadow and we don't see it. And so it oftentimes takes someone from the outside, maybe coming from a different angle, 
literally and figuratively to see that shadow and to be like, hey, like this is what's sitting in that shadow that you've put aside and let's bring it into the light so that we can work it out and work through it. But if you're standing facing the sun, you can't see that, you can't see all the stuff that's behind you. Like you actually cannot see it. And so it's not your fault. You just have a different field of vision in that particular moment. So we need someone else to come alongside and see it at a different angle. I'm curious, uh, what got you into starting a, you know, like a, a digital course business slash coaching business mm -hmm. slash, um, you know, psychology business? Like where did that desire come from? And tell me about your, your origin story moving into that. I have no idea. No, just it, you know, it, 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 I wish it was more inspirational. It was a few years ago. There was an app that came out called Periscope that was like all the rage for a little while. And I was, I, at that point, I had wanted to be doing more speaking and teaching. I love speaking. And the reason why I took your course, I love being able to speak and teach live, connecting with other human beings in that way. For some entrepreneurs, that's their idea of hell. They're like, just like, leave me behind the scene. Just let me do the work. I don't want to put my face out there. <laughs> but I love that part of it. And um, so I want, always wanted to do more speaking and teaching, but of course I had small children. So going out to networking events and like, you know, making that part of my business more a, a central part of my business, which is not really possible without taking away from family time in the evenings and on weekends. So this app called Periscope came out and I was like, this is fantastic. I'm just going to hop on there, give short like mental wealth and personal development talks, and I'll just build my public speaking skills and I'll just sort of get this sort of roster of like content, see how it's connecting with people and get that kind of real time feedback for free from my living room, no harm, no foul. And then it like literally just kind of blew up and exploded from there. And then this whole world of like online courses and programs and it just like it was a, this world cracked open that I had no idea existed. And it just sort of went from there where I was like, oh my goodness, I can actually have an impact and do something that I love and connect with other human beings from my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. And yeah. I'm curious about um, your understanding of just psychology and mm. um, you know, if this, if there's someone listening today and they're, they're an, they're an entrepreneur and they feel really emotionally blocked mm with getting themselves out there and yes. that almost that fear of being judged and so forth. Yes. Like what are some things that they can do to start to process that or move, move past it? I think, you know, so much of what I teach Colin is normalizing our human experience, right? We, we have so much judgment of ourselves. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Why is everyone else doing it? I can't seem to figure it out. Why am I a mess and everyone else has it all together. And like, spoiler alert, everyone is a disaster. <laughs> I mean, not all the time and not in every circumstance, but we yeah. all have stuff. We all have the self-doubt. We all have the fear, right? We all worry about what other people are going to think. And so the first step, so we can deal with that. We can work on not worrying so much about what other people think, but the first step is always to normalize our human experience and to be like, of course, I'm scared of putting myself out there. It's actually part of my, my wiring as a human being, right? Like there's this, this ancient primitive part of our brain that is our survival instinct that basically says, do not make yourself vulnerable to judgment because then you will be kicked out of the clan, sent out into the wilderness on your own and be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. So, <laughs> right? Like this part of it's our like, brain. It's like, welcome to the personal brand industry. <laughs> that, that's what you're required to do. 
<laughs> it's like right. put yourself out there and hope and that our, people like you or and hope, something but like also that. our brain freaks out and thinks like our brain exactly. actually thinks that it's a matter of life and death that being judged is a matter of life and death so then we wonder why we have this intense physiological response to it because our body is trying to stop us from doing it. it's like do not put yourself out there you will die and so right like it but then it actually takes re overriding that sort of more kind of primal instinct with our conscious thought and awareness and being able to work through that fear. And it doesn't mean we still don't feel the fear. We just, you know, and that whole saying that bravery is about not being scared. No, bravery is about doing things with the fear and being able to say, I see you fear. I acknowledge you fear, but I'm doing it anyways. And if you want, you can come along for the ride, but I am just directing my life. You're not. I am in the driver's seat of my life. You are not. Mm. I love like, like even, even as you share that right now, as you were talking about that, that acknowledgement and allowing fear to come along with the ride rather than pushing it away. Uh, you can even feel it in your body start to shift and change with that. And I, and I, and you, if you guys don't follow Christina on Instagram, we'll put her link in the bio. Uh, but she, she's, you know, exceptional on Instagram in terms of like creating really cool, like graphics that show you, Hey, this is, the wrong way of thinking and this is a healthy way of thinking and 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 a lot of the time it, it is based in self-judgment and you know hypercritical hypercriticalism if that's even a word <laughs> for uh for we'll oneself yeah let's do it uh we do whatever we want and uh and then but actually normalizing and accepting it uh so is is that like one of the one of the kind of the core premises that you work on with helping people move past things we do. We start with just acknowledgement. Like in what I help people with is we do a combination of thought work. So for those of you who are more familiar with the psychology realm, like the, this combination of CBT, which is cognitive therapy. So it's the thought processes. And, and often, like, again, they're not even conscious. We're not even aware that it's happening. It's not about just thinking positive or just looking on the bright side. Absolutely not. We are more complex than that as human beings, but it's about really just getting conscious, this, the unconscious or subconscious thought patterns and beliefs that we think are just normal, that we think are just like a given, a, a, the only way to see things, the only way to understand things. And so then we uncover those and then we sort them out and then we ditch them and bring in ones that are going to be healthy, um, healing, helpful, productive, that are going to allow us to show up the way that we want to show up and do what we want to do and move forward in the way that we want to move forward. But there is a big piece to that. So, th so that's a thought word part of it. Sorry. Can you give um, an example of that? I'd love to know like maybe a client example or a personal example of like an old thought pattern that had crept up and and how you work through it or how you work through it with a client and how they move forward? Yeah. So a big one for my community, I have a lot of overachievers and overfunctioners who think if I don't do everything people ask me to do, they will reject me and stop loving me. And so it becomes this sort of, they feel compelled to never say no, to do whatever people want them to do. And then they end up feeling, you know, overwhelmed, stressed, often even angry, bitter, and resentful because mm. they say, look at all these things people are making me do and I have to do it, right? And then I just call a big fat BS on that <laughs> and we work that out. Okay, what's this really about? Like, what is this really about? Like, you think that people are going to reject you or that you have to do it, but how much truth is there to that? And who might actually reject you? 
And how much of that is just a perception of someone rejecting, right? We don't even question these thoughts. We just think I have to do it or people are going to just have no time for me. And maybe there is some truth that some people will only love you for your yes. Like, and maybe that, that is true, right? But if the basis of a relationship is on me not allowing myself to have space for myself, for my wants, needs, or preferences, my own boundaries, if that's not available in a relationship, then what kind of relationship is that? Right? So really taking a step back. But a lot of times we just do things. We're like, well, I have to do this without actually sitting back and looking at what's the belief that is propelling me or compelling me to think that I have to. Mm. And so we really peel and pull that out and look at this. We look at where the origin of it came from. We look at why we're keeping it. We look at what we're scared of happening if we don't continue with that belief. We look at what we have to gain, what we have to lose. And then we really just start working that out and, and dealing with that thought and then practicing new thoughts, which are going to create new behaviors, which little bit by little bit are going to create that big shift. Yeah, I'm on that. I'm curious, how does behavior change happen from your perspective? So the model that I teach is that most circumstances or situations in life are neutral, right? We just, something happens. Someone cuts you off in traffic yeah. and then you have a thought about that. What did that mean? Right. What a jerk, you know, like who does he think he is or she thinks she is for just like cutting me off like that. So then we have a thought and interpretation of what that means. And then we feel maybe angry or we have a thought. Someone cuts you off in traffic and we're like, for some of us be like, oh my gosh, was I not paying attention? Maybe I was, you know, driving too slow or not being very aware and it annoyed that person. So now I feel embarrassed because I think I've done something wrong. Right? Or we have a thought, oh my gosh, that person is in a big rush. I hope everything's okay. Maybe their child had an accident or their partner is in labor or whatever that is. I hope everything's okay. And then we're going to feel concern. And so our thoughts create our feelings, which drive our behavior. So when we're feeling a certain way, that feeling is going to propel an action or a behavior, which is going to give us an outcome in our lives. And so, you know, you've heard that saying that like your thoughts create your reality mm. and that kind of like woo woo kind of nebulous thing. It's like, no, I mean, yes, but the, the reason why our thoughts create our reality is because our thoughts create our feelings, which drive our behaviors, which the sum of our actions becomes our reality. So that sort of it teased out if you've ever thought it was this big kind of like woo woo concept. It's not, it's just, you know, cognitive psychology in action. Mm. So I'm really curious about uh, in terms of you with growing your business, because like you've got a skill set, and I think a lot of people listening have a skill set. Like you're, you're great at helping people work through their emotions and create an outcome. But I remember when we first met, you know, you were still fairly, you know, young in your business, but you were exceptional at what you did. But in terms of your online business, it was still like just kind of ramping up. And I know that you, you were growing your following and things like that. What have been some of the most hardest points for you to really bring your craft to the market? And mm. as opposed to just being a hospital in the desert of where like you can help people, but there's like no one around to help. Yeah, no. And, you know, honestly, the biggest part of it is changing my relationship with failure and with results, just results in general and failure. And for those of you who you know, create programs and courses, 
you know, even the idea of thinking about launching something feels incredibly exhausting. And it's not just all the tasks that need to be done, but it's all the emotional labor that goes into the expectation of result and the fear of not getting the result. So it feels overwhelming and exhausting because of that emotional experience. And I remember for me, I wasn't launching my courses and programs. I wasn't getting out there. I wasn't making available what I had because I would dread the emotional labor that was involved in it. And, you know, and then also if things didn't turn out the way that I wanted and having that failure, my relationship with failure was terrible. And I would feel terrible if I didn't get a result, if things didn't work out, I would spend days, you know, self-flagellating, you're an idiot, you're a loser, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do this? Why is everyone else doing it? And you can't seem to do it. Um, you know, like anything that you can think of that we put ourselves through when we don't get the result that we wanted, that we make failure mean something about us personally, instead of looking at failure as information, right? In any circumstance, we either get the outcome that we want or the lesson that we need. And if we can change that relationship and be like, okay, this failure, and I think women tend to do this more than men. I don't know. I've never been a man, but my experience is women, we tend to over-personalize our results, and I think about this example that my husband, who is an engineer, and he often is mentoring co-op students. And he's like, the, the way the, the, the men, the young men and the young women handle problems is so different. So with the women, you know, if they're having like a tech problem on the computer, they'll say, oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong? Why am I, like, why isn't this working? Why am, what am I doing wrong? And, you know, if the men having the same problem will look at the computer and say, oh, stupid computer. <laughs> I was just going to say that as you were saying that about the women, I'm like, nah, it's the computer's fault. <laughs> yes. And as women, we tend to over-personalize yeah. um, results and make it mean, I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. And so I think for especially women, I think I'm guessing men do as well, but really changing that relationship with failure and not personalizing because that feels terrible. And again, it's just the way our brains are designed. If we're designed to move towards pleasure and away from pain, then we're going to want to stop doing things that feel terrible. But the interesting part of it is that so often that things that feel terrible is how we are treating ourselves, how we are talking to ourselves. We are inflicting the wounds on ourselves that we are now trying to avoid, which is, you know, maybe the sobering news, but the good news is that we can stop, <laughs> right? We can, if we are inflicting the wounds. We are the person who can stop creating the wounds. We are the ones who can come in and create the healing so that we clear that space to just go and do things. And I remember thinking of this concept and hearing this concept once, like what would you do in your life on a daily basis if you could just feel any feeling? You would just allow yourself to have any feeling that there was no such thing as an intolerable, you know, um, um, unfeelable feeling. Oh, this is, I, I don't want to feel that way. If you're just like, I can experience, I can experience fear. I can experience um, frustration. I can experience letdown. I can experience vulnerability. I can experience whatever. Like what would happen if I just let myself have any feeling? What would I do? What would you do? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it makes you feel like you can do anything because I think when it comes down to it, the and you, you, you said something that I thought was quite unique when you were talking about your launching, which was the emotional labor. Mm. Like you didn't say the physical labor, the emotional labor. And I think that, you know, if you are doing a 
webinar or a video or a promotion, there is this emotional fear that comes up around that it's exposure. And I know for me, you know, as our business has grown and I've experienced greater level of exposure and I know that you've got, you know, fairly big following even on uh, YouTube. I know you've got a big YouTube following as well. Um, You know, as that exposure grows, the sometimes the intensity, especially when, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I always find that as I'm going through like a new level of exposure, whether it be we're spending, you know, five times, 10 times the amount on ads or, or, or you do like a really big, like, I don't know, interview or a feature or something. And all of a sudden all these eyes are on you and it feels quite intense like in your body and in your emotions and things like that. And, and from the outside, people watch it and go like, oh, how amazing is that? How cool is that? But as a person, like you're processing it. And so I think that emotional labor and handling it with the right perspective uh, is, a, is a fascinating kind of experience. Yeah. What can you say about on, that? Yeah, it's all based on expectation, Colin, mm. right? So the expectations that we have of ourselves, that that fear, that overwhelm, Um, And that exhaustion is created solely by expectation. If it's about going into a launch and having all the anxiety going into launch, because the thing is like writing a sales page, um, putting together a webinar, um, you know, getting, you know, having things hooked up in your, in your like um, course portal. It's just stuff. Mm. It's just actions. It's just like one, it's just like, it's not emotional. It's just things to do, but it's the expectation that we have around our performance and around our results that can throw us through a loop. That becomes like this roller coaster of these ups and downs because we're overly attaching to our expectations of our outcome. So if it's the outcome in like actual numbers or if it's the outcome of how we are gonna show up, right? A little bit of that perfectionism showing up and being like, what if I, you know, what if I mess that up? What if I don't say that right? What if I miss this one thing? right? Like what if it doesn't go exactly the way that I'd hoped it would and I miss my shot, right? And then we like, we have all this stuff. And I'm here to tell you as someone who has missed a lot of shots, <laughs> choking on, on, on um, national television, you know, and it's, it's okay. There's more shots. It's not a one and done. And that was, ex- that was this crazy experience that I had being on. What national. happened? Tell me. I was on the news and I was yeah. calm and I was like, I know what I'm talking about, mm. but then my body was having like this physiological fear response, right? Cause that like, mm. that part of my brain was sort of taking over, even though I'm like, I've got this, I've spoken to thousands of people live. What is going on? But like, there was this thought around this, like this, this concept of being on television and- mm, Like that exposure level of, that ex- of yeah. thousands and whatever, millions Where of people watching. my unconscious brain was like, don't be calm. Do you understand how every, and it's live, like, yeah, yeah, know. totally. Don't don't mess this one up. Yeah, and then the, the interviewer asked me a question, and because my brain was just not firing on all cylinders, uh, she asked me a question that I wasn't expecting. And halfway through my answer, my brain just took a vacation, and it was like off. gone. I was like, well, I had to say, what was I saying? I had to look at her and be like, what was I saying? I mean, obviously she's a professional. Um, and <laughs> was this pre I'm, was this pre kids or post kids? Post kids. Post kids, yeah. I was gonna say the brain. The brain takes a while to fire up after little sleep oh. and managing like little toddlers and kids and stuff. Right, and I, you know, needless to say, they've never invited me back. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> but it hasn't, right? But I'm. But here I am, here with you. But right it doesn't now. matter. So right. 
It doesn't matter. Right. And it doesn't. And we, we make these big deals out of these things and we put all of these expectations and we really think like we get caught in that. What if, right? Mm. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this doesn't happen? And then we freak ourselves out and that feels terrible. So of course, then that becomes another barricade to overcome is how am I going to get past my, my, the intense response I'm having about this potentially feeling terrible because mm. it has before. And I've been terrible to myself when things haven't gone right. So then it becomes even more of this, like psyching ourselves up to like actually put ourselves out there. And so we do it less often because it requires so much more instead of just being able to, to like unattach from that, just be like, okay, this is just a thing that I'm doing. I'm going to prepare and it's going to go how it's going to go and I'll learn from it or it'll be great. <laughs> Mm, I love that. I love that. And when I think about it, I know for me, for me, I'm relating it to my speaking journey. And I know for me, when I first started, you know, like I put so much pressure on myself and, and I tried to like control how it was going to go and the outcome where now I'll stand in front of an audience. And, and most of the time it's like, I, I don't even think about what, what's going to happen. Like it's literally just so second nature and there's no, the, essentially what I'm saying is there's no attachment to the yeah. result. And that's exactly what you were talking about. And that's what was coming up for me when you were talking about that, that letting go of attachment, which, you know, we see all the Instagram quotes of like, you know, go for the goal and don't be attached. And it's like, yeah, but how do we do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but that's essentially what you're talking about is that like, see it as neutral, see it as results. I think there was this one concept that I learned when I was studying to be a life coach, which was um, there's, there's no failure. There's only results. Mm. Right. And so you either get the result you want or you don't, and then you get a learning. And right. so if there's no failure, just feedback, there's, there's only results. There's only and results. the results is just the feedback of the mechanism that you've used or the environment that you're in. Um, then it takes that emotion out of it. And I definitely think the, the best entrepreneurs, that's how they see their journey. And that takes work. And also understanding that if you're not there right now, again, back to the not judging ourselves, like you've done a lot of work on this, Colin. I've done a lot of work on this, right? Every time you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position, you're just going to have these natural responses to that. And that's completely normal. And this is why you and I, we have coaches, we have, you know, mentors, we have people who are there to help us through this because it is going against our kind of fundamental design as human beings to just sort of go along and get along and keep yourself scarce so that you keep yourself safe. Right. And we're so going true. against that. And so really just acknowledging that as human beings, again, not judging ourselves for it, being like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. No, I just have some things that I need to get support with and get help with and work mm. through. This mm. isn't like just you are the only human being who's ever felt afraid or anxious or nervous or stressed about putting yourself out there. Um, that's, that's a normal thing. So good. Now, obviously you help people work through their stuff, get a healthy mindset so that they can actually perform at their highest level. And yes. I help people like you bring your expertise to the market so that you could actually help more people. Yes. And I remember we kind of originally met around the time when you, you became a student of Self from Stage Academy. And uh, I, had the, I had the privilege of having you in Self from Stage Academy and you're still obviously a student. Um, I'm really curious about, and like, I don't want, this is not like a, Hey, how awesome self from stage Academy. I want this to we be can talk more, about that too. <laughs> no, 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 I want for the listeners to go. Cause I want, I want you to share mm. the transition that you made from 
like even just feeling how you felt about sales and selling your offer um, and how you made that transition, whether it was, you know, through some of the philosophies I shared or not. I'm just curious with that process that you went through with Sell from Stage Academy. Yeah. And, it, and that's it. Like not everyone and not all therapists, but I think just this, maybe just a human thing in general, especially helpers and healers, we tend to feel really uncomfortable around the idea of selling our services right? Like we don't want to come across too pushy. We don't want to come across as like, you know, invading anyone's space and making anyone uncomfortable. Mm. And so we play it too safe and we hold ourselves back too far. I remember an early mentor of mine said to me like, well, this is a funny thing. Oh, so it was going that exposure when I first started my, my counseling practice and I hit, you know, go live on my website, I ducked. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, everyone can see me. <laughs> It felt so exposing, but then that was the first level of being, you know, being exposed to the world. Yeah. But then the next level of it too is so now you can see me, but now I have to, I have to kind of enter into your space. I'm not just standing here passively by, mm. I have to enter into your space so that I can call you in to this process, to this work, to what I have to offer. And that's not, again, that's not natural for most of us. And so I was struggling with that a lot and I'd done some work around it and I was starting to feel more comfortable, but it, I knew I, I still had so, so much, you know, so much um, space to grow. And then you came along and I met you and we actually, someone told me, because I was talking to one of my mentors about this fear, right? And this really being like uncomfortable with, with selling and promoting my work. And she was like, you got to be connected to this guy, Colin. <laughs> Right. And yeah, and it was true. And it was Jackie. And she was like, you got to know more yeah, about yeah. Colin. Yeah. And so then, and then I looked and it would happen to be that it was the exact time when your program was open. Yeah. And I was I like, I think oh. you joined the first round. I pretty did. Much. I did. And it just happened to be that it was open. And I felt yeah. like I had won the jackpot because I was like, oh my gosh, this program is open. So I just right without a second thought. And what were some of the shifts that you made? Um, just really looking at what it means to sell right? Like you talked so much about, you're not selling, you're serving, mm. you're, you're communicating value. You're not trying to um, convince something, someone to get something that they don't need. And you're not trying to take advantage of anyone. Mm. You're saying like, I have this thing that can help you. And it's my job to communicate how it's going to help you so that you can make the best decision that makes sense for you. But it is my job to show up. And I even think about that. It's actually funny because I've, I received an email the other day. I just finished promoting my membership program. Awesome. And I, and I got an email from someone saying like, you know, um, I felt like you were being too pushy. Right. Like this was a hard sell. And it, you know, in all fairness, I was a little bit taken aback at first, but then I was like, okay, one email out of 800 um, people. <laughs> Unless I have like there's, a, there's always one. I'm not going to lie. There's always one. There's yeah. got to be, out, of, out of 800 to 1,000 people, there's going to be one. Yeah. And I was like, if I was getting hundreds of these replies, then maybe yeah, yeah, I might totally. look at shifting my focus, like not speaking the language my people want to hear. But at the same time, I was thinking about it and I was like, let's say that every day you're around people who were like, I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. What do I do? you know, hey, Julia, I'm really thirsty. What do I do? And I'm not going to be like, well, you could, you know, try like sucking on an old boot, right? <laughs> I'm going to say drink water. And yeah. here I have water, right? Even just like standing outside a convenience store and being like, I want to go in there. I'm so thirsty. What should I get? 
I'm not going to be like, well, have a bag of chips. See how that works out. I'm going to be like, drink water. And here is the water. It's over there in the, in the cooler. Just grab it and, you know, you can pay for it and you be on your way. You've got your water, right? And so, so often we, we, we think that we're being pushy where we see the people around us in our community being like, I'm having a problem. And then they're like, well, obviously, obviously I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm going to convince you to drink the water. You have to drink the water. And this doesn't mean that I'm being pushy or taking advantage of someone. This means that I am giving them what they need. Right. And I, so I think it was Zig taught me how to have that shift. Yeah. I think it was Zig Ziglar who said that essentially sales and influence is the transfer of enthusiasm. Yeah. And you need a certain level of enthusiasm excitement and certainty in your offer when you present to to get clients like if you present it as oh i've kind of got this thing and i don't know if it's going to help you and yeah. i'm not really sure you know first of all that's not a compelling offer <laughs> and you're not going to grow a business and ultimately you're actually not going to be able to help people and serve people at the greatest level because i mean think about it like the people who join your program they get to experience your content at the highest level. And then they're going to see the greatest transformations, transformations that whatever, you, you know, whatever you charge for your program, I can, I could guarantee they're going to be worth so much more from mm -hmm. a, just an experience of life. Like, I mean, the, I think as Tony Robbins, it says like the quality of your life is the quality of your emotions. Yeah. And when you're experiencing poor quality emotions, uh, you've got a crap life. It's actually not about what you have in your life. It's how you feel about your life. And I think the Absolutely. value that you bring to the marketplace of helping someone to just feel better in themselves, like that is the quality of your life. Well, and it was really your program, Colin, that helped me. How's me? That. I'm just like pushing your offer hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I'm so into it. I, I, yeah, great. You probably do a better job of it than I do. <laughs> but yeah, but like really and truly, that's what your program taught me is to just stop making it about you and start making it about the, the help that you can give to people, the help and the transformation that you can give to people, right? The tools that you can give to people to help them with their problem, right? They're having a problem. It's your obligation. It's your duty to show them what's available to them. You're not shoving it down their throat. You're not like forcing them to do it, but it's your, it's your duty to make that available to them, to at least put it in their line of sight and give it a little bit of a nudge so that they can learn, you know, so that they can heal, so that they can grow, so that they, whatever the program is, that's going to allow them to um, solve the problem that they are struggling with, right? It's, it's, I heard this, I love this, this analogy that Denise Duffield Thomas gave about brownies. And she talks about brownies. She talks about, like, let's say that you had, you know, had brownies. You had these beautiful brownies that you had made and they, you had like a dinner party and people over at your house and, you know, they knew that you had these brownies. You've been talking about these brownies. And then, you know, the evening kind of came to a close and everyone went home and you never offered the brownies. And people are like, well, what about the brownies? Right? Like, how come you're not giving me any brownies? When, you know, we're so scared that if we offer the brownies, that some people aren't gonna want them. And it's true. Mm. Some people are gonna say, I don't like chocolate. I don't know who these people are, or like what devil is possessing them. No, I'm just <laughs> but right, some people are gonna say, I don't want the brownies. I don't like brownies. I'm on a gluten-free diet, right? Whatever that is, it's not personal. 
because some people are going to say, oh my gosh, I've been waiting all night for the brownies, right? I've been waiting for this. I've been hearing about it and you've been talking about it. Thank goodness that you served and offered them to me. Mm. And I think it's so true. It's like when it sounds like you, you know, made that shift of going, you're not trying to convince some someone of something that they don't need or don't want. Yeah. It's, it's more about how do you put on a great night, a great yeah. show, a great experience, and then also go, hey, if you want brownies as well, then I've got some great brownies. And if you don't, if you're on the gluten-free yeah. diet, that's totally fine as well. Like, but they're, they're there if you want them. Yeah. And it's really clear. And it's like, and don't get me wrong, like they're awesome, <laughs> but you've still got to be excited about them, right? And even if someone doesn't want them, it doesn't make them less awesome. Where I think we often do that. Like if someone yeah. doesn't want what I have, then it means that it's not good, right? And Ooh, we, again, great. over-personalize that. Mm. Where it's like, it's just a brownie. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it, but it's still, it's just, it's a brownie, right? And how have you used um, like storytelling and... Mm. Um, just emotion and so forth in like, you know, effectively creating that experience for people when you're running your webinars and stuff now. Yeah. And I remember that shortly after I took your program and I ran my first webinar after having completed, I don't think I completed the full program, but there was just so much mind blowing stuff in the first few modules yeah, that yeah. I was like, I'm just going to go with this now and just start working. And then I'll, you know, do the rest and kind of grow even more. But I just felt like I had so many specific tools to use right out of the gate where I had this existing webinar. I made a few tweaks to it. And then I, I changed because of the mindset stuff that you teach, Colin, I changed how I was showing up. Mm. And I was just like, again, just that mind frame of just going in and being like, I have this thing. It's amazing if you want it. And if you don't, that's totally okay. Right. And it was just, it would just became, it, it was that process. It started that process of unattaching. I'm like, I'm just here to serve and I'm here to show up and I'm here to connect and I'm here to communicate. And that's my goal right now. If that is my goal, then more often than not, the results just take care of themselves. It's almost like most people, <laughs> and, uh, I think I told you that I'm Canadian, right? Like I was born in Canada. No, I didn't know that. Cause I know you're Canadian. Yes. Right. Um, I was born in Toronto and I grew up in Australia uh, obviously now live in us but um the what was i going to say the, the culture in canada is what the main word you say is sorry right <laughs> it's like you're sorry 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 but that's how people are with their offers they're like i'm really sorry about this yeah but i've also got this other program like it's really awesome but i'm sorry about it <laughs> right but th that's almost like the energy they bring to it where it sounds it's a shield, like right sorry is a shield it's like protecting yeah. me from any kind of backlash right like mm. it's that fear of what if someone doesn't want it or doesn't like it right it's almost like i'm protecting myself with the sorry like i wasn't trying to offend you so if you're offended you know i'm going to preemptively sort of shield myself from any kind of preemptively apologize right. and shield myself yeah that's so true and i love what you you were sharing about like when you speak, you, you enter someone's space. And then mm. when you make your offer, you actually create space for them. Yeah. And so it's like, this is a space that I've created for you for, and if you resonate with me, then come and enter this space and we can hang out because yeah. we've created this space for a specific transformation for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you don't have to, like, if you don't want to stay in the, stay in the space, I'm not, it's not like, I'm not building a brick wall around mm. you. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a free flowing space where you're allowed 
to walk away at any time, right? Mm -hmm. If it's, if you realize that it's not for you, right? This is, this is, this is not a dictatorship. This is a democracy, right? We're like, you can say like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't vote for this and, you know, make your way out. That's okay. Very democratic of you. Canadians. So the it's Canadians like the social device, like the social capitalist coming out in me, where it's totally. like, well, I want you to have results, but I also want to do it in a relationship-focused way. It's social capitalism. Love it, love it. So, um, oh, this is so good. I mean, it's just been great watching you transform and evolve in your brand. And and for anyone who wants to connect with you, um, can you share them about? What's the best place for them to connect with you? Ah, it's a really good question, Colin. My website. You've got a lot. You've got a lot. My website is due for an update. All of my like information is on my website. It's just juliachristina.com, Christina with a K. Hmm. Um, And there, um, yeah, just. What's your YouTube channel? It's, it's uh, a good question. Um, <laughs> just search Julia Christina. If you just, I think it's. It'll come up. I, I created the channel just years ago, just completely not to build anything with it. When I uh, first started my business, my husband was like, SEO and get clients yeah. out of an opportunity to get to know who you are. Video's really strong. I was like, really? Is it? <laughs> Is it worth it? And so, yeah, about five years ago, I put up a couple videos and then just sort of my channel kind of went dormant and I didn't really Uh, take it seriously. Um, But it's grown a lot since then. It's grown a lot. I did start taking it more seriously a couple of years ago and then realized how powerful that could be. Um, But yeah, my YouTube, if you just, I'm the only, I think there's one other German girl called Julia Christina, but... You can tell the difference. <laughs> you can she's tell. Got, I think I she's got you. like two weird random videos on there. <laughs> so not a, not, not the her. weird <laughs> random one. Um, one last question, which is I always love to ask my guests, is uh, imagine it's it is literally the end of your life, and you're coming to the end of your life, or it is the end of your life, and people are standing around just talking about Julia Christina. They're talking about the impact, the influence that you had on them, some family, friends, clients. What would be your hope that they would say about you? Mm. She taught me how to let myself be human and feel great about that. I love that. I think that's one of my favorite answers I've heard. (laughs) So good. Julia, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. And uh, everyone, I want to encourage you to connect with her. And uh, thanks so much for being on here, Julia. Anytime. Thank you. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.